Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you in a crazy-making relationship? Feel anxious, angry, and unsafe? Welcome to Save Your Sanity. Insights, skills, strategies, and inspiration for emerging empowered from toxic relationships and breaking the bonds of emotional abuse. Keep listening. We'll figure a few things out. Hello and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the exhaustion of being called to be continuously coping with difficulties, with difficult people, with difficult patterns and traits in those difficult people. And you may have gotten into it just slowly, with a little thing, and you accommodated it, or you thought maybe it would change, or you could do something that would change the behavior. But it didn't happen that way, did it? The behaviors just kept coming and adding to them. And it's a bit distressing to find yourself getting more and more tired, putting more and more work in, and getting less and less results or fewer and fewer results. So when you're continuously coping, you are stuck in survival mode. It's exhausting. It's unhealthy. And it's so not okay. So stay tuned. We're going to figure a few things out. Yes, we will. So if you think about that old urban myth, the one that suggested that if you want to boil a frog, you put it in cold water and slowly turn up the water and the frog won't notice. So it's been a very convenient myth or an apologue for quite a while. It's not true. Frogs are pretty smart. When it gets uncomfortably hot, they jump out. But we have used that myth to remind us that we can get used to things and we stop questioning them. We get used to them, even if they're bad, even if they're difficult, even if they're tiring, exhausting, um, and making us small. We can get used to them and we accommodate. And sometimes when we do that for a little while, things change for the positive, and it was a good strategy. But when you're with a narcissistic person or a person I call a hijackal, this is never going to change. It is only going to stay the same or get worse. And the older they get, the more strategies they use of this nature, and it seems to be worse and worse. So Maybe you've been accepting it because in the beginning it was, well, it's okay, we'll work it out. And you honestly thought you could. But when you find that you're doing it most of the time, that is a whole different thing, isn't it? Because now you are actively giving your life away to the narcissistic person and their demands and endeavoring to get them on an even keel. And you're really telling them in the same breath that it's okay for them to be belittling and manipulating and lying and degrading and oh, on and on, but always negative about you. So it's really important to see that. Now, I chose the word coping 
very, very carefully because it sounds like something that is heroic. We all need to be able to cope with things, take things in stride, or know we can go through a difficult time and come out well on the other side. But if it is a lifestyle, we don't want to be coping all the time. And coping means to deal effectively with something difficult. Okay, we want to be able to deal effectively with something difficult. And the word or originates in the Greek and the French, and it means to meet in battle and come to blows. <laughs> That's what the word originally meant, to cope. And so basically, now coping means dealing with and attempting to overcome problems and difficulties. And that's a great thing to be able to do, if it were possible. But with a hijackle, with a narcissistic person, it isn't possible. And you keep hoping and hoping as you <clears throat> do what I call getting hooked on hope. That if you just do one more thing or you give up something or you don't do something anymore, that they will change. They will be different. No, they'll be just as demanding, just as interested in control and status and power over you. It will not change. And it is a huge moment when someone finally says, yes, that is what's happening. I'm not going to sugarcoat it anymore. I'm not going to downplay it, I'm going to actually see that I am in coping mechanism all the time. I am always coping and I am exhausted and I am unhealthy and it is so not okay. So not okay. So the plot thickens. So not only are you dealing effectively, but you're trying to overcome problems and they have no interest. The hijackles have no interest in acknowledge the problems, let alone overcoming or solving the problems. So it becomes all on you. And you step up and you cope. You want to deal effectively. I'll try this. I'll try the other. Maybe it's me. Maybe I should feel sorry for them because they had trauma in their background or they're under a lot of stress. And you keep giving and giving and giving, which is just what the hijackle wants you to do because they just want to take and take and take. And if they can get you to give and give and give, they've got the world on a downhill run in their opinion. So they are happy to exhaust your supply and then demand that you find some more and give to them because obviously you're not giving enough. So when you see the narcissistic tendencies clearly, when you see that the person is not changing, when you see that they accept no responsibility for their behavior, they take no accountability for what they do. They project all of their faults onto you. They um, blame shift. You say, this really bothers me about you. And they say, no, that's what you do. And they shift it back to you. They're always turning the tables as well as projecting their greatest fears about themselves on you. They gaslight you. They tell you that what you're experiencing is not what you're experiencing. I've done several episodes on gaslighting. So if that's something you want to know more about, 
just go to saveyoursanitypodcast.com and you can search there, which is often easier to find the episodes than where you might go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So cope. Cope when everything is your fault. That's an interesting decision to make, isn't it? Everything is your fault. You're to blame for everything. And it's become a pattern in your relationship. And then you want to cope with that? What set you up to want to cope with that? Or to think it's a good idea or a worthy project? It begins by clearly seeing that there will be no equality. It's always going about you pleasing them. You getting it right, which they'll never let you to be, and staying out of their way. So if your focus is on pleasing them, getting it right, or staying out of their way, your life is all about them. And that's just the way they want it. And you may not even notice that you've given up your life. You've given up who you are. You've given up your dreams. You've given up behaving from your values. You've started to second-guess yourself, even question your sanity, because you will never have a healthy, equal, reciprocal, mutual relationship with a person with hijackal tendencies. I know, you hate to hear that, because remember, you may be hooked on hope. You may be hooked and hope they'll change, that they'll show that they love you, that they will see the light, that they will want the family to develop. It won't happen. And you take your life back when you realize that I have no indication that it will ever change. Yeah, sure, for a hot minute now and again, they sort of do something nice because they want something from you. But it doesn't last, does it? But you grasp at it because, oh, you know, they brought me flowers. Well, that's nice, but why? Well, they wanted something from you. And it's hard to believe It's hard to want to believe. It's hard to accept for many people because we just want to believe that people are basically good. People are basically compassionate, basically kind, basically respectful, basically trustworthy, basically honest. But hijackals are not. So that whole basically good is not applicable here. So it won't happen. You will not get into a healthy, equal, reciprocal, mutual relationship with a hijacker. You simply won't. It's not available. They don't believe in equality. They cannot bear the idea of equality. It scares them. They always have to have the upper hand. So equality is not possible. So... You're not likely listening to me because what's happened to you happened once in a blue moon, are you? You're not likely listening to me because it's only happened once. No, you are listening to me because you've seen a pattern and you're getting tired. And these 
patterns in partners and parents have to be recognized. And when you see them as patterns, you can see that they repeat. They are their stock and trade. They're not who we want them to be, but we have to recognize who they are. And we can't change them. I'm sorry to disabuse you of that notion, but you can't change them. There is nothing you can do to change them. These patterns of hijackal behavior are recurring, they're identifiable, and they will continue and get worse. Not good news. Definitely not good news. So coping versus why cope? If you want to be stuck in survival mode, can I breathe for another day? Can I get it right for another day? Can I stand this for another day? Can I stay in this for another moment? That's hard on your body, hard on your mind, hard on your heart, hard on your spirit. You matter. You truly matter. And when someone doesn't treat you as though you matter, see it as the absolute waving red flag that it is. If someone will not treat you in ways that are equal, reciprocal, and mutual, see it. Be wise. Observe it. It may not be what you want it to be, but see it for what it is. Love is unavailable there. It is unavailable. Let that idea in. You want it to not be so. I know you do. But it is so. Love is unavailable. A little attention now and again when they really want something is not love. Love is consistently present. You know that's not the case. So if you're coping, you may be stuck in survival mode and getting more and more fatigued as every moment goes on. You can get so exhausted that you finally give up. You just don't expect anything better. You give in, you give up, you lie down, you become a doormat. That's not good. It's certainly not a good model if you happen to have children watching, but it's really unhealthy for you. And, you know, I tell clients, contrary to what some people will say on on this matter, but many times clients who are new will say, I think there's a pattern here. I'm not ready to give up on this person. I, I really need to know. And I will say, do you really need to know all of this? so that you will be able to make a decision without regret. And usually I hear, yes, I don't want to regret it. So they will say, well, can we come to counseling together? Sure you can. Sure you can, because maybe you need the patterns to be seen again. Maybe you need to hear that person deny their willingness to change their behavior. Maybe that's what you need before you can proceed to decide to leave without regret. You might. One another thing that happens when you do come to couples counseling is that you have to commit to a series of sessions if you're working with me. 
And the commitment shows the commitment to the relationship. And many times hijackals quit. They get adamant. They get indignant. They will not have me point out a problem. And so they stomp out. And that shows you how committed they are to the relationship. No, they're not committed because they came in in order to think that maybe they could uh, manipulate me into being on their side and they couldn't. Or they thought that they could demonstrate how wrong you are and that you would get told off and they can't. And that truly upsets them because they wanted a payoff by coming to counseling. And for some people, it's an important step because they get to see this is the final frontier. I see it now. It is not possible for this person to entertain the idea of change. And now I can make a decision as to what to do. And you will know you tried everything. And you will see the level of commitment. And it's important for you To see that because in the back of our minds as healthier humans, we keep thinking, oh, if we just give enough, they will finally feel secure and they will settle down and it will be great. Not when you have a hijackal. It doesn't happen like that. And a hijackal will go to counseling to get you off their back or to prove you wrong or to manipulate the therapist, as I said, or just so that they can have a narrative to say, we even went to counseling and then make up a story about what happened there. So if you do have that in the back of your mind, that coming to work with your partner would be a good thing, you can talk to me about it at beaclient.com, beaclient.com, and we can figure it out from there. But when you know that you're dealing with a hijackal, please know that you are also in coping mode. The two things go together. That's why you're so tired. That's why you have anxiety. That's why you feel put down, worn down, torn down. Because you are. And when you become a coper when you're with a hijackal, you're super focused on bobbing and weaving to stay out of their way. And to try and show up and please them. And that energy use is enormous. And it will never get you to a position of equality. Because all of the focus, where is it? It's on meeting the needs of the hijackal. So you will never come into balance. It's not available. It's hard to take in. I know it's hard to take in. But it's the first step of clarity. What are you really dealing with? Because coping is, in my books, meant to be an interim strategy when you go through an unexpectedly difficult time. It is not a healthy, sustainable lifestyle strategy. That is not how you're supposed to wake up in the morning and go to bed every night. Coping for too long is exhausting. And it will increase your anxiety. It will increase your feeling of vulnerability. It'll increase your irritability, your frustration. 
It will make you resentful. And all of these things are working on you and your body, changing your life. And it's all because one person demands to take and expects you to do all the giving. And you may think that if you stopped giving, it would make you a not nice person. That's not true. If you are overgiving and being demanded to overgive, there is something seriously wrong with the relationship. So if any of this is familiar to you, really think about it. Is it time to recognize that there's a lack of balance? There's a lack of equality? There's a lack of reciprocity? a lack of mutuality, a lack of fairness, a lack of trustworthiness, a lack of consideration, a lack of compassion, a lack of honesty, a lack of kindness. And I know for many people that their minds go scurrying as I say that, go scurrying to say, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're good. Yes, well, you know, a stopped clock is right twice a day. Sure, sometimes they're good, but you may get into a false equation. I had a client a couple of years ago say to me about a very hijackable man that she was married to and leaving. She said, but he's a good father. I said, oh, what makes him a good father? She said, he coaches the Little League team. I said, that doesn't make him a good father. That makes him a father. That's what fathers do. If you are with somebody, a partner, a parent, who is not fulfilling their role, it, they're not being nurturing, they're not being loving, they're not being equal, reciprocal, or mutual, then they don't get a pass. In the one or two minutes when they're nice, that doesn't make them nice. It's one or two minutes of doing what they ought to be doing all the time. And we can get very hungry for that. So when it shows up, we think, oh, there it is. There it is. I've got hope again. And get hooked on that hope. And I understand that. I truly understand that. But, you know, I'm asking you to think about it. It's your life going by. Are you going to spend it hooked on hope? When you sit down and realize the evidence from reality is there is nothing but negative change. It's important to see because if you spend your life in coping strategy, you are the one who's going to be exhausted. You are the one who is going to feel less than. You are the one who is going to give up your life for someone else who demanded you do it and gives you as little as possible. So you need to see it and believe it and keep on thinking that you can do something to make them healthy. No, you can't. You cannot change them. But please don't become unhealthy or further worn or torn down by not examining what's actually happening to you and recognizing that coping is an interim strategy. It's only supposed to happen when somebody breaks their leg. Or you lose your job. Something that occasionally happens. And you cope. And it shows your strength. And it's wonderful. But if someone is asking you to cope all the time, 
You are the one who will get ill. You are the one who will be exhausted and nothing will happen to them. They will just sit back like a Cheshire cat, big smile on their face and say, give me more, give me more, give me more. If that sounds anywhere near familiar, I hope this episode is is giving you a moment's pause to say, I am not going to give my life away to that anymore. I am not going to give up everything that I want in life in order to please another human being who is dedicated to never, ever being pleased. So if coping has become a way of life, have a good look in the mirror and let's talk. Go to beaclient.com if you'd like to talk to me personally, or if you'd like to join the Emerging Empowered Community, go to joinintoday.com. Joinintoday.com. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Good evening. So, welcome. Glad you're here. Let's see. What's going on here? Oh, lots of comments. Great. Hello, Anna. Hello, Haunted. Your first live broadcast. Welcome. Um, I want... I try to listen live, but usually fall asleep and listen on the way to work on Tuesday. (laughs) Well, good. As long as you get to hear something that is helpful, when you listen to it, it doesn't really matter, does it? But I'm glad you could be here. Good evening, Insight. Kendra says, you would be happy to know I broke off my engagement and I'm in therapy working on me. You go, girl. That's great. That's good. It's very much a mark of strength that you chose you instead. And good for you. That's great. For those of you who haven't been here before, you don't know her story, but we're cheering for her tonight. Honda says, I'm curious how to assertively respond to a hijackal who guilt trips, gaslights, and has no interest in my feelings or in resolving anything. I've just kept silent so far. How to assertively respond? Well, one way to assertively respond is to not respond because when they cannot get what they want from you, that makes them very, very nervous. So if you haven't been responding very much or having very much to say, um, that's that's okay. But if you want to, to verbally assertively respond, I suggest that you do it by using the personal weather report that I teach. Um, If you're not familiar with that, you can go to personalweatherreport.com and watch the videos and everything. But basically, the personal weather report is about knowing that you have the right to say what is so for you at any time. So giving a personal weather report about what's going on within you means you're only going to speak about yourself. So a personal weather report is knowing you have the right to say how you think, feel, need, want, prefer, remember at any time, as long as you do not mention another human by name or by pronoun. Those are the rules. So you speak only of yourself. 
So being assertive in that situation, Hanta, might be, you know, I feel as though I am I am being backed in a corner to admit guilt to something I haven't done. And what I have learned in life is I take responsibility for what I have done. Um, but I am not going to pretend I did something and take responsibility for it that I didn't do. So you are only speaking about yourself. You're not saying anything about that speaker. When you master the personal weather report, it is wonderfully assertive and it is completely talking about yourself. So you cannot be doing anything to anybody else. But it allows you to state yourself, your values, your opinions, your views, um, as because you're not talking about anybody but you. And I would certainly start with that haunted. And if you have any other questions about it, just put it in the chat and we'll come back to it. Order divine. Thanks for the hearts. High sounds. John, not only getting blamed for everything, betraying myself. Are there secret societies of hijackals? <laughs> well, I think they all think they're in a secret society because they all think that they're pulling the wool over your eyes. Um, so that may be one way to look at it, John. But they are very isolated, much as they seem to be the center of attention, which they want to be, and they're pushing everybody's buttons. They also are very isolated because people don't really like them. They may be loyal to them because they're afraid of them, but they don't really like them. So that's um, that's another piece of what goes on there. Um, let's see what else we have here. Kendra, I feel like my healing process has pushed back from being in that toxic relationship. How do you start fresh? What's the first steps? Well, I want to make that distinction for other people because you've been here before and you know that I make a distinction between healing, first of all, recognizing the injury, then healing, and then recovering. So healing is when you recognize you have a broken arm and you go and you get help. You have surgery, there's swelling, you maybe get a cast, you maybe get a sling, you spend some time allowing yourself to say, here's what happened to me, here's what it looks like, here's what it feels like, here's how I think it happened, and you're going through that whole injury process. So it starts by being honest. Be honest with yourself to say, wow, I really put a lot of energy in this because it, most people do. I really put a lot of energy in believing that if I did that, it would be reciprocated and things would even out and we would get somewhere good. And then recognize that that is okay. You did that because you're a healthier human. You know, I make a dis distinction between healthier humans and hijackal humans. When you're a healthier human, you ascribe good values to someone else, and you think that if you just keep looking, you'll find them. Hijackals humans don't have them, so you'll keep looking for them. So one of the things that you do when you're in the healing process is to come to realize that it had nothing to do with your inability to help them. You didn't break them. You can't fix them. 
It's simple that way. You didn't break them. You can't fix them. So one good step at the beginning of the healing process is to really get in touch with that. I thought I could help. I thought I could change them. I thought if I loved them enough, I was patient enough. I gave up enough. I paid enough. I moved. I did whatever they wanted to do. I thought that it would be enough. But they're dedicated to it never being enough. So a good step in the healing process is to realize that. I hope you that helps you. Insight says, my hijackal ex is begging me not to go to court for a protection order. Well... That's nice. That's, I hope, falling on your deaf ears <laughs> um, because there are consequences to behavior. And if there aren't any consequences, they don't recognize boundaries. And so if you need a protection order, you get one so that at least they'll have a wake-up call. Sure, they'll be angry about it. But you need to be safe. And that's number one. And if you know you need a protection order, get one. If I had $10 for every one of my clients, which have been thousands now, who said to me, you know, I wish I'd charged them. But, you know, when they came and they said, do you want to press charges? I said, no, because I was afraid to be angry or I didn't want them to be upset with me. I wish I had. Well, the same thing is true about getting orders of protection. Don't wish you had. Get it. Because it goes on the record. And it's in the police report. And it's in all kinds of places. So that if anything happens ever again, or you're endeavoring to um, keep yourself safe in future, it will be a reference point. So I hope that you will you know, listen to the begging and... Have it not change your mind about getting an, a protection order because you deserve that. Marla, hi. It's great to always be reminded of this. Yes, it is because we need to stay wise and um, we don't want to get into a lull of complacency. Um, so that's great. Kendra says that's exactly what was happening. We were in counseling and she never talked. And I was looked at like I was the prop, a complete waste of time. Yeah, that happens frequently. You know, hijackers think that they are going to rule the day. They're going to be the one who uses all the oxygen in the room. They're going to be the ones who complain about you. They're going to get the therapist on their side. And it often happens because, you know, therapists don't know these people really well. And... Um, then all of a sudden, you know, things go a little sideways. Maybe they'll rectify it later in, a, in the therapeutic process. I hope so. But the hijackal is unseen. Because hijackals are the kings and queens of the plausible lie. You know, they will lie. And it sounds like it could have happened. And that's what they present. And then things can get really off track in the therapeutic process, really off track. So watch for that. Um, 
Okay, what do we see here? Insight. I couldn't perform well at work because he woke me up every night. It's crazy making. Yeah, that's something. I'm glad you brought that up because other people may not realize that that's something that hijackles do, particularly the nastier ones. They will deprive you of sleep on purpose. And they will make unreasonable demands, whether it's demands for sex or demands that you sit up and talk to them or that they have to ask a question right at that moment. And they will deprive you of sleep. That will exhaust you. And that, again, will cause you to have to cope. And that is exhausting. So, you know, that's what we talked about. Um, And it's really important to see that. Really important. So when you're when you're saying that he woke me up every night and it was hard to perform well at work, then if you lost your job, then they then they, he would have another reason to get angry at you because look how worthless you are and would take no responsibility for having made it impossible for you to stay awake during the workday. That's what they do. You know, I've been doing this work about these folks for a very long time. So I have had so many encounters. And it is what they do. And I know how difficult it is to believe that there are people who do that. But they do. And they're very demanding. And if you loved me, you'd wake up. If you loved me, you'd answer my question. And so you think you're demonstrating love and it will get you a point, but it never does, does it? So very, very difficult. So I hope that's helpful to you to have that affirmed for you. Yeah, let's see who else is here. Um, Here we go. Uh, Insight says, yes, I'm right about the stop clock. It's true. Marla says, we're divorced. Still talk sometimes. I told him I wanted to share my feelings about something. He looked me in the eye and said, I don't want to hear anything. I don't care about your feelings. Well, I bet there's a lot of people in the room will say, yep, no, that one. Because they don't care about your feelings. It's all about them.com. They get the airtime. They get to complain, they get to brag, they get to air their their desires and wishes. And you, you're there to listen and take care of them and validate them and approve of them and support them and be their cheerleader. And when you're not, you're useless to them. And they're happy to tell you that. So that's a good thing that you said there to remind everybody that that is quite possible. You know, a hijackle doesn't want to hear about you. That to them is like, really, you're going to waste my time talking about you? No. Who do you think you are? Right? That's the way they roll. Inside said they give you little crumbs while most of the time having complete contempt for you. They do. I recently republished an interview that I uh, I interviewed a fellow on facial coding and the what I call the hijackle smirk. He talked about it because I asked him about it. And he said that it is, and I've mentioned that before, um, he said it is 
is the facial coating for anger and disdain. And when those two things come together, it's the facial code for contempt. They don't think you should take up air or space on the planet, really. They have contempt for you doing that. But you have to be really careful, though, because sometimes we are the ones, we can be the ones who are projecting. We can be the ones who can have everything that I say at our beck and call, you know, to be able to to um, to prove anything. And then we have to always be aware that we first have to have looked at our behavior. Make sure our behavior is clean and clear, that we are not behaving the way they are. Because after a while, that can happen. So it is important that they give you little crumbs and they have contempt for you. But, you know, we also have to, just to want to insert that in here, that we we always have to do our first, our, our self-examination, our self-reflection. Say, what am I doing in this? Is this what I want to be doing? How am I contributing to this difficulty? And then, hopefully, because of episodes like tonight's, you will see that how you're contributing to the difficulty is you're perpetuating by continuing to cope instead of saying, Mm-mm, not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm not here to prop you up and have no equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. Those things have to be there. They must, must, must be there. Okay. Marla says, yes, bobbing and weaving. Yeah, that's what we do. And so it's the gift that keeps on giving when you choose yourself first. Yes. And when I I talk about choosing yourself first, it's really very deep to be wise enough to look at yourself and say, what are my values? How am I living them? Can I live them in this relationship? Are they prized? Are they shared? Are those values that I base my life on, are they present in this relationship? And am I demonstrating them? Because if I'm not demonstrating them, I'm expecting someone else to demonstrate them. I got that a little bit backward. So it's very important for us to be self aware in that regard. Haunted said, thank you so much. You're welcome. This person will probably flip it and become a victim. This person also accuses me of being nasty because she's indigenous. She sends me pure vitriol. Well, I don't know about the connection to being indigenous. Um, Every single person is different. But hijackals flip the script on people all the time. They flip the narrative on people all the time. And they're nasty all of the time. Um, Except when they really, really want something, they are nasty. So it requires you to take what I call the healthy four steps back. You know, we're right in there in the relationship. You take the healthy four steps back and you get the full view. You get to see the whole picture. You can become an observer. 
instead of jumping in and being part of the picture. And it's very important because then you can ask those questions. What's my part in this? How am I responding? How am I demonstrating my values? How am I demonstrating my beliefs? How am I living my vision for my life? And then you can work on yourself. And if that other person isn't interested in you, which they're not, because the only thing the hijackal is interested in you doing is giving them approval and validation and all of your time and sometimes all of your money and anything else that they want, and then they still withhold their approval, good to know, right? Really important. Oh, I'm glad that you enjoyed this episode, Marla. Uh, inside, so yeah, that's typically why they do it. It's called Darvo. Yes, and I'm not going to talk about Darvo, but I'm glad you brought it up and everybody can put it in. Uh, capital letters, G-A-R-V-O. You'll see what it's an acronym for. Hunter said, I'm frightened about retaliation. Well, it's wise to be frightened about retaliation because there will be some, you know, even if it's delayed. Some hijackals, when you discard them or when you walk away, even as gently as possible, will move on to someone else quickly, quickly, in order to show you how dispensable you are. But they'll come back around, and the retaliation may be subtle, and it may be very obvious. So it's wise to be aware of retaliation. Um, but keep yourself separate from it as much as you can. Have friends. Um, know that you can discuss it. That's one of the big things about being a member of the Emerging Empowered Community because there are great discussion groups there. Also, when you're a member, you get the opportunity to attend three Ask Me Anything group calls with me where you can ask the questions. So, it's wise to be aware of retaliation because that's the way they roll. Anna says about the order of protection, I also keep a copy with you at all times in case you need it. Yes, absolutely. And keep your phone in a place where no one can grab it and take it from you, uh, but it's always available to you. Sometimes we're not so careful about where our phone is. And you want it to be available to you, but not where somebody else can see it, especially if you need an order of protection. So that's really good information to keep it with you because you very well may need it. And you can shortcut the process where people, um, the Justice Department or Police Department, don't have to look it up. It's right there. And that will help you move in a good direction quickly. Tanya, hi. Or they make you stay all hours of the night counseling someone else under the guise that they need help and you have to stay as their second-hand person for integrity purposes. Well, that's a good ruse. <laughs> that's definitely a good ruse. It's good to see you, Tanya. Yeah, I mean, the way that they will use you subtly and overtly is all the ways are just so many. Remember, people on the healthier human planet generally agree 
that it's a good thing to move toward justice and integrity and compassion and kindness and trustworthiness and respect and equality and all those things. So when you're with another person who's from the healthier human planet, you kind of turn your dials until you get dialed in together and then you can have a healthy relationship. But if you're with a hijackal human on their planet, there really are just two main rules. Take as much as you can, give as little. So when the person on the healthier human planet tries to dial in on all those good things, the person from the hijackal human planet says, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I just don't care. So I'm going to use you. And if they use you that way, um, Tanya, It's good to see it and say, no, get someone else. Or no, that's beyond my working hours. Or no, I don't have to stay. And and just have boundaries. And I know in the workplace it can get difficult. You know, when I wrote the book, Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work, I know how difficult it was because I was traveling the country helping teams learn to resolve conflict and play nicely together at work. And it is difficult. It really is. There are all kinds of of nuances in the workplace. But find the communication strategies that allow you to very, very neutrally state a boundary. You know, I I have to be home by a certain time. Within my job description, it is this. And so I'm going to honor that. I hope you will, too. And just learn to set some things down in there that your boundaries are known and your boundaries are firm and non-negotiable and that if they are crossed, they have consequences. And I know it can be difficult because in the workplace, it can be you're out of a job. I understand that. But if I can help, call Oh, thanks, Tanya. I'm glad you're here. Um, Oh, thank you. I'm glad I rock. (laughs) I'm happy to rock um, for some people anyway. Um, Marla says, mine tried to get me to stop my hobbies, interests, and passions, even my coaching, which I loved and was making a side business. He wanted to tell me which business to have. Yes, too many rules and too much taking over your life. Instead of being, wow, you're interested in that. What are you going to do? How can I support you? Tell me more about that. How can I be helpful? Which would have demonstrated some mutuality. He says, no, do it my way. And if you don't, there's something terribly wrong with you. And I'm going to make it difficult for you to do that. How? Like a hijackal. That's what they do. Coercive control. Ultimate power over you. And hopefully make you feel small in the process. It is difficult. Tanya says, this was at church. I got out of there years ago. Good for you. Yeah. Very, very difficult stuff. So let me just remind everybody that the way it works, uh, it takes about 20 seconds for something to appear after you hit send. If after 30 seconds, I don't see anything new in the chat, I think that you're full up. And that will end our session for tonight. Amy, hi. Yes, welcome. I haven't seen you post before. It says, first time chatting live. Thank you. So much happier that I asked him to leave. He could be scary 
or regulated. So it was a dangerous game. But carrying on was a dangerous gamble too. Well, good for you. Another high five for you. Setting a boundary, saying what was so, telling him what you needed and making him go. And that is exactly what we need to do when we have hijackles in our life. Bye-bye. There is no way that you are ever going to have an equitable relationship with a hijackal. So if somewhere lurking in there is, well, maybe, please let me dissuade you. (laughs) Please let me disabuse you of the idea that they are going to get better. They are not. It says, I just got tired of being sick and tired. Good. You know, if you find that things are exhausting, find out what exhausts you and remove it from your life. We're all in charge of our own life. We may not be able to act on it right away. You know, some people don't have any money. They can't get out of their relationship instantly, but they can make a plan. Some people don't have anywhere to go. They need to, again, make a plan, work toward it. That's why I have those courses on, you know, the big decisions. Should I go? Should I stay? Online course, you can take it, write answers to all my questions in there, and really come to understand the depth of your decision-making. These are all important things. There's one in there on executing your exit. There are all kinds of programs there. Go to relationshipprograms.com. That's part of my website, relationshipprograms.com. There are webinars you can listen to. There are courses for you to do. There are books. There are uh, audible books, um, audio books. All of that is there for you. I just said I wanted to be understood. No luck with that. Well, they're dedicated to thinking that they're the only person in the room that matters. So understanding you is very low on their list and very, very seldom makes it to the top. Only when they want something. So it's important to see that. And I'm happy to see so many people tonight. Please know that it's every every Monday night at 7 o'clock there's a new topic. I appreciate the people who show their super care with the donations here on YouTube. Thank you very much. And <clears throat> come on over. Be part of my community at Emerging Empowered Community. You'll find it at joinintoday.com. For anything else you want to know about my work, go to emergingempowered.com that's the um, important thing to to see emergingempowered.com and you'll find everything there so so many things that we've had to talk about so much good interaction I am so glad that you were here with me and that it all worked out Um, And yes, it's 7 Pacific time, um, because I live in sunny San Diego. Good to see you all. I wish you well. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself, because you are precious, and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. 
I hope you've had some insights, ideas, and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with $1 or $5 each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Also, learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my Emerging Empowered community, subscribe to this podcast, find my books, all by visiting EmergingEmpowered.com. Talk soon.